Support for WFIU News comes from the IU Alumni Association, now offering IU Proud, a member program designed for recent graduates and those facing economic hardship. More information at alumni.iu.edu join. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. And from Estate and Downsizing Specialists, LLC, offering complete turnkey services for estate and downsizing clients, from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com. Welcome to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-host Lori McRobbie. Today we're talking about the 50th anniversary of Title IX and its history and its impact. And we have a great lineup of guests for you today. We have Terry Moran, the head coach of the IU women's basketball team, is joining us. Dr. Amy Matheny is a former IU women's point guard for the 1983 Big Ten championship team, and she's been really involved with IU Athletics since that time. We also have Ann Crawford, the director of development for IU's Varsity Club and part of the Indiana Athletics Women's Excellence Initiative team. And also joining us on Zoom today is Leanne Grotke, and she is considered one of the people that helped start and launch women's athletics at Indiana University. There's an award named for her. She was the first coordinator for women's athletics at IU and a pioneer of Title IX. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can send them to us at news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can join us on the air by calling in at 812-855-0811, or you can call toll-free 877-285-9348. Well, we're really happy that you could all join us today. And Coach Terry Moore, and I know you're a very busy person, and we're happy that you could join us for the program today. I wanted to ask you uh, to get us sort of started off by, you know, the importance of celebrating this 50th anniversary of Title IX. Well, uh, happy Friday. It's a pleasure to be here with um, all of you, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um you know, certainly for us, it is a celebration. Um, you know, I think Lori had mentioned it. It's, it's you know, not has just not impacted athletics. It's an, impacted all of us women um, in some shape or form. And so it is very much a reason to celebrate. Um, it has impacted us, though, from an athletic standpoint, uh, being a, a female coach here at Indiana in so many ways. You know, I grew up played for a legendary um, head coach in Lynn Dunn uh, and uh, listened to a lot of her stories uh, when she was uh, a young uh, coach and all of the, the many things that she had to endure, uh, you know, in terms of doing laundry and sleeping on the floor of churches and high schools uh, when they would travel, you know, to all these places. And um, it's not lost on me now that things have changed. Uh, they've continued to change. They're going to, um, you know, keep changing, which is good. Uh, you know, from, from our standpoint, we certainly travel differently these days. Uh, you know, we don't have to do our own laundry. Uh, we stay in some of the best hotels. Uh, you know, the, one of the things that we have caught up to is the TV exposure uh, for women. It's great that we can turn on the TV now and see females, whether it's women's soccer of uh, whether it's women's basketball um, and we can finally see women uh, participating in, in playing competitive sports um, from from you know the standpoint of facilities you know we no longer wait to get on the floor uh, we share we have a beautiful facility here at cook hall um, in bloomington and um, the, the only other thing that i'd like to point out is uh, you know one of the things i think as we move forward and, and we're 
you know, the needle is moving and we, we continue to push for change is that I think being from my perspective, being a female coach, um, you know, the only thing that we want is um, we, we want people to see us as athletes and not male athletes, not female athletes. Uh, there's, there's, there's plenty of room for all of us. Um, and so, you know, when you characterize whether you're going to see a female athlete participate in sport, uh, what we would you know, like is is for people just to see us as 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 an athlete. That's what we are. Uh, I'm a I'm a coach uh, that coaches females, but I'm a coach. Uh, and um, you know, so I think as we we continue to move forward, the change the changes that are coming um, are going to continue to be exciting. Um, you know, for particularly for women, um, whether you're in sports or whether you're not in sports, and education and everything. Um, you know, um, and it's 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 great to be a part of it. Um, and um, as long as I continue to coach, I'm going to continue to to push for, uh, you know, women to have every opportunity. And I want my young women to believe that uh, they can be anything they want, and uh, in in this life, and um, and for, for whatever they want to fight for, um, I'm here for it, and I want to support them in every way I can. All right. Thank you. That was Coach Terry Morin from the IU Women's Basketball Program. And Leanne Grotke is with us. I want, to, I want you to take us back. Uh, Leanne, you were there at the beginning. You were there before Title IX. Um, can you talk about, you know, your, your feelings now and how, I, you know, I, you can't encapsulate how much things have changed, but could you have envisioned um, the kind of changes that we've seen? Well, thank you very much. It's a delight to be here with you and to be able to talk about these things and to stretch the memory back 50 years. But a lot of it is very vivid in my mind. Uh, the women's program emerged out of the physical education department where we initially had just two teams and field hockey and basketball. And those teams had maybe uh, four to six events in their season only on Saturdays uh, and only within the state pretty much. But as uh, we moved into the athletics department, uh, just about the time Title IX was enacted, uh, I have to say, and I am so proud of Indiana for the way they received women, uh, the women's athletics program. We, uh, were, we were very welcomed in the department. and. A lot of that has to go back to a person that some of you are familiar with, at least the name of Anita Aldridge. She was the chair of the Women's Physical Education Department and also served on the Athletics Committee. She chaired it uh, about the time Title IX was enacted. And she was uh, highly regarded on campus and nationally. Very professional, forward-thinking uh, person that initiated the organization within the state of Indiana. We called it IWISO, the Intercollegiate, Indiana Intercollegiate Athletic Association or something like that, forgotten. Anyway, uh, she was the mover in getting the women in Indiana uh, together to form a governing body for athletics for women. And we were called extramurals at that time. We weren't even called athletics. Well, now, I, I watched the uh, your induction speech uh, to the IU Athletics Hall of Fame, and in it you talked about how IU paved the way for other schools to follow. Could you, could you explain that? Yes. Um, uh, I, I was honored to say that I was the first full-time athletics director for women in the Big Ten. Uh, other schools followed quickly thereafter, but at the time that I was inducted full-time, others were serving only half-time or part-time. Uh, so uh, we were a leader in that regard. And just the development of our program was so well supported by the university that we were able to do things. We initiated scholarships for women as soon as they were made available you might remember that the AIAW had a philosophy of no scholarships for women. And the reason for that was because as we talked about it at the time, we saw the uh, problems in men's athletics seem to stem from around recruiting and illegal 
uh, activity in that field. And so we just decided how, how silly it seems now, but to not afford scholarships for women. At the time that opportunities became available, young women that came into the university were just really happy to be on a team. They were glad that we offered a team for them, even though they were supplying their own uniforms and paying their own meals on the road and uh, the things that weren't happening at the time. But Indiana was ahead of most of the schools, well, all the schools in the Big Ten in a couple of regards, but we all merged quickly under the umbrella of the Big Ten, which was very good because the Big Ten as a conference was a leader among conferences in the country. Well, I want to move on to, to Amy Matheny. Thank you for that, uh, Leanne Grotke. I'm, Amy Matheny, we're going to move forward 11 years. So 1983, that was 11 years after Title IX. You were the uh, point guard for the Big Ten championship team. You're now an Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame inductee. You're on the board of directors of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. And you are a Leanne Grotke Award recipient. So take us up to 1983 and what things were like then and, again, how things have advanced since then. Thanks, Bob. And again, great to be here with these amazing women who I all greatly admire. Um, you know, it's interesting because I'm I'm kind of that um, age group that straddles that line, right? And so I remember as um, a young kid, you know, going to high school games or the college games, and they weren't the NCAA yet, and we weren't even in the IHSAA. It was GAA here in Indiana in high school sports. And it was, you know, a kind of a little more like uh, – Leanne said extramural, intramural. I mean, it just didn't have that level of competition. By the time I entered high school, we had the um, Indiana State High School basketball tournament just like the men's did, right? Um, you know, my senior year playing in the state tournament, we had 10,000 people at our games. I mean, it quickly caught on. And we were, I think we were year five of the state championship and then when I entered IU, again, we had just started into the NCAA. And where I think, when we look back, I can tell you my teammates all felt like this. We felt like IU was so far ahead of most other universities at that time because we were afforded the foundation plane, um, which we make fun of now. We look back on flying that little prop plane everywhere. But, you know, we were allowed this private plane to fly around in. And as Terry said, back then, we were staying in some of the nicest hotels, eating at the nicest restaurants. And for most of us, we had not had that experience. I think flying at IU is the second time I'd ever been on a plane when I started to fly. Um, and we had a women's um, AD at the time. And it just felt like we were getting so much that when we looked at other schools, they weren't, they were taking buses everywhere when we were flying. Um, and so I really do feel like IU was way ahead of that time. Um, but you know, I, I feel like I stand in the middle, so I'm, I'm standing on Leanne's shoulders. Well, we all are actually, when you see what she did. Um, I mean, really it's because of people like Leanne that we are where we are today. Um, my generation, we were just so thankful for everything we got. Um, but I look at Terry now, Coach Morin, and she reminds me that we still have a long way to go and that she is pushing that boundary. And if you look at data and statistics, it's, that's a very clear statement, right? Um, and so I really love, I feel like now, I'm standing behind Terry going, okay, what do you need? How can we help push this forward? Because she's saying, okay, what is it that we still don't have? Yes, we came a long way right after Title IX, you know, but maybe we've lagged or become stagnant in some areas, particularly in the areas of having women coaches in the college ranks and the high school ranks. So um, for me, I know I was just thrilled to be able to play college sports and to play it at a place I loved at IU where I had watched it for so long. 
Hi, this is Lori. I want to jump in here and and turn the conversation to Anne because I think, uh, in a way, what Anne is doing represents some of the answer to um, the how we get to the to what else do you need, and and I think also reflects uh, where how far we've come. Anne, you're you're uh, one of the leaders of the Women's Excellence Initiative through the IU Varsity Club in, in athletics. Can you describe what that what that initiative is trying to do? Yeah, absolutely. It's an incredible privilege to be a part of an, an initiative, much like the conversation that, you know, Coach and Leanne and Amy have just had. IU continues to be a leader in this space of supporting women and supporting our varsity programs here at IU. Leanne was the first female, you know, women's athletic director in the Big Ten. And if we fast forward to 2021, when our Women's Excellence Initiative launched, we are one of a handful of institutions to have a program of this kind. Women's Excellence is a fundraising and engagement initiative. It is in place to help elevate our 13 women's varsity programs here at IU. We are working day in and day out to find monetary support. Of course, you need resources to elevate any initiative, but especially in this changing landscape that is college athletics. We also have a huge engagement piece. So in speaking with Amy Matheny, some of her teammates and all of our 50 years of former athletes, we have a huge part in telling those stories and highlighting the history of women's athletics here at IU and how those transformational experiences have gone on to create incredible leaders in communities, in the professional, realm and in higher education today. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, can you, if you're willing to share, can you say what the initiative has uh, raised so far? Absolutely. a lot we of women engaged. In, yeah, we've got a lot of people in, engaged where, you know, we are still trying to push that needle. So um, we are always open to, you know, talking to as many people as possible that have a passion for what we're trying to do. Um, we launched in August of 2021 with the goal of raising a million dollars in the first 12 to 18 months. And to date, we have raised actually $2.35 million to help support our women's athletic teams here at IU. And that money really goes above and beyond the scholarship opportunities that we provide for our student athletes. And it is dollars that will be available to help elevate all of our teams. As Coach mentioned, we are working really closely with our various programs about what do they need to recruit? What do they need to develop? What do they need to continue championing their young women to be great leaders? And that's everything from you know facilities and opportunities in leadership and career development um, to the way that we travel and the way that we highlight and talk about our program. Well, congratulations uh, for all your efforts that have, have paid off. And I think it's worth pointing out it's, you know, the money is great. It's kind of an eye-popping number for uh, yeah. many, <laughs> many people in development, as you well know, who would kill to be able to raise that much in a year. Um, but I think it also reflects something that goes back to what Co Mo Coach Morin said, which is that Title IX really was also about getting women launched in their professional lives. And, you know, I mean, just the, the, at the time Title IX passed, there, there were many more young men on campus and there were young women uh, students. Uh, women were not going to college in the numbers, certainly that they are now, but not in the same numbers as young men were at the time. Well, what that's meant, of course, is that women have had access to the professions now for, yes. you know, 50, 40, 50 years. So, and you couple that with uh, experiences playing sports. And you see the way those uh, um, cooperation, collaboration, leadership opportunities that come with playing team sports pay off in women now going into their uh, their wealth accumulating years and and being in a position to give back. And now there's a generation, many generations of women who are doing that. Uh, and I think that that those numbers reflect that. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and I think it's, you know, one more note is it really is about creating a community to support 
these athletes and these students as they propel themselves into life after IU. And while college athletics and specifically at Indiana University has an incredible fan base, really passionate group of you know supporters and donors in the background, we hope to create a space for people who maybe haven't connected to IU athletics in the past. We hope to create a space where people feel like they are making an impact beyond um, you know, wins and losses and creating that community and that transformational experience for our athletes um, is really what this is about and creating those networks for our current student athletes, You know, really highlighting the past and the present, um, but to help launch people into the future. So it's a really special initiative and we continue to keep growing it. And as it relates to Title IX, it's an opportunity that wouldn't be here had we not made so much progress over the last 50 years. I want to give our contact information again. We're talking with uh, Coach Terry Morin from Indiana University Basketball, Amy Matheny, a former IU player, and Ann Crawford, Director of Development for IU's Varsity Club and part of the Indiana Athletics Women's in the Athletics Women's Excellence Initiative, and Leanne Grotke, the former coordinator for women's athletics at IU and a pioneer of Title IX. So if you have questions or comments, you can call us, 812-855-0811, or toll-free at 877-285-9348. You can also send us your questions to news at indianapublicmedia.org. And you can even follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Send us questions there. We are going to go to the phones because we do have a phone call from Valerie. Go ahead, Valerie. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't mean to diminish the importance of college athletics and equality for women in that area, but I would like to briefly relate my own experience in 1967 so that listeners will know how widespread and direct the discrimination pre-Title IX was. I graduated in the in 1967 from University High School in Bloomington and had excellent grades in the upper 10% of my class. And I applied to Purdue uh, in their pre-veterinary medicine program. And so I attended Purdue that fall. And once I got there, I don't think I was aware of this before I got there. It was made very clear to me that um, of 55 admissions per year into vet school, they took five women. There was a quota of five women out of 55 admissions. And so I guess I asked my advisor, what's the reasoning behind that? Oh, well, we just figured women are going to just get married and have babies. Well, I stayed one semester at Purdue because it was also made very clear to me that if you were female, in order to be included in those five individuals, you'd better have straight A's. And men could have, you know, as low as C's on their transcript. This is how discriminatory it was in academia, not just in sports. Uh, I did leave Purdue. I stayed one semester, and that was one of the major reasons that I left. I came back to Bloomington, got a liberal arts degree and a library science degree. And so my uh, dreams of being a veterinarian never materialized. But I would like to add as an end note, by choice, I have never been married, and I have not had any babies. So I just wanted to relate that because pre-Title IX, discrimination went way beyond athletics. Yeah. So if anybody would care to comment on that, uh, I don't know at what point the Purdue Veterinary School got rid of their five quota. Now, it's my understanding that they usually have more than 50% admissions women, but I'm sure Title IX had a lot to do with it. So that's all I had to say. I'm going to get off the air. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie. Yeah, I think I think everybody on this call can um, can probably relate either directly or indirectly to to those kinds of stories. And I suspect it was, in fact, Title IX that made a change to those kinds of quota systems cause, because it came, became illegal in, in higher ed to, to do those sorts of things. Perhaps, in at least in the beginning, it might have become more subtle, but I think uh, now we're seeing you know, more than half the women at, student body at uh, pretty much every college campus uh, is female and, and so forth. Um, 
Coach Moran, I want to come back to you and 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 ask a question about how you see um, today's athletes, uh, your players, and other players you're familiar with at the college level, compared to um, what they were like when you first started coaching. I mean, and going going back. In other words, do you see? changes in how they think about themselves as athletes, the kind of training they're getting and conditioning they're getting and their ability to play? How, how has that changed for, let's just say, today's generation? Oh, that's a great question, uh, Lori. You know, and, and unfortunately, uh, these young people, you know, and again, a lot of them do know, uh, are aware of Title IX, right? But now we are in a day and age of where you know, as I mentioned earlier, with the travel, with the way they, uh, you know, uh, from from staying in hotels, eating at some of the best restaurants, uh, their training, everything is is so. All they know is what they know, and um, I guess that's what I'm saying. And and I don't know that they know that there's a there there was a difference, right? I mean, I, I mean, for me, and and as Amy said, you know, uh, I'm a little bit younger than Amy, but now, clearly, I know the differences from what I had as a college athlete to what our players have now, and it's incredible uh, the the change. Um, what concerns me is that um, these young people they don't they don't realize um, you know all the improvements that have been made, and and and, and I think because of it, there's this uh, level of entitlement, this level of uh, we want more. Right, and I don't. I don't think that there's anything wrong with wanting more, um, but but I do, you know, have to s- stop them in their tracks every now and again and remind them of what it was, what it used to be, and how grateful they should be for what we have currently. Um, but I don't want them to also stop fighting for for more. So I'm sort of in a catch-22 mm-hmm. with trying to educate them on the things that we didn't have. To fast forward to the things we we are so grateful to have, but also always wanting them, um, you know, to to continue to push the envelope, uh, raise awareness, you know, for the change that, you know, continues to be out there for us. You know, I don't want our young women to stay in silence, uh, you know, because I think that's always what's been expected of us as females is to stay silent. I want them to be able to fight for what they uh, think is right. And, um, you know, I, I do think that they, like I said, they there's an entitlement piece that I do get concerned with all of our athletes, not just women, men in general, because of all the things, uh, you know, that they are provided with now. Um, but I don't think that they have a great, when I think back about, you know, I'm, I'm entering my ninth season here at Indiana, um, you know, our, our women, um, you know, have have had the best of the best. You know, we charter, you know, we fly everywhere. We got great facilities. Uh, you know, th- they are well taken care of. And now with, um, you know, the cost of living, the NIL opportunities, uh, the Austin, you know, monies. I mean, these these kids are are uh, doing much better than than, uh, you know, I know I ever did as a, as a student athlete. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that they know any different, to be honest with you. I do know that they, um, you know, they, they, they live a very, very good life uh, here at Indiana as a student athlete. Um, but, um, you know, again, as, as, a, as a female, I want our kids to continue, our, our women. Um, uh, because as Valerie said, you know, she's talking just about, you know, not athletics. And I appreciate that because we're still so far behind. You know, when I think about. Uh, there's only 15% of, you know, female athletic directors, you know, in the power five conferences, you know, 5% of CEOs in fortune 500 companies. I mean, we are still, the wage gap still exists, you know, Mm -hmm. for, for females. Um, And so I try to educate our kids, uh, our, our women as much as I can in, in terms of, you know, what title nine was, you know, uh, how far we've come, but, you know, as I mentioned, we're expected as females to stay silent, and um, I want to encourage my my players uh, not, not not to do that. Be on the forefront of of, of helping, you know, change, um, you know, and um, and so I don't know if I answered your question. But, oh um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, 
it's times are you know different i don't think they know any different Lori. i guess that's what i'm trying to say yeah. is that you know it's 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 hard for them now they can hear stories right and appreciate my stories of what my locker room looked like and i was on a bus for six hours traveling to iowa but you know that kind of goes in one ear and out the other and then the only thing they'll say yeah, sorry for you coach right uh, sorry you had to live like that but, can i um, yeah can i jump in with just a, a follow-up and and for coach more you first but then the others can answer it too it was only one year ago maybe two that when during the pandemic when the men's tournament was in indy and the women's tournament was in san antonio and the oregon player tweeted the differences in the the weight rooms i mean what correct what did yeah when when you saw that tweet i mean how did yeah you know how does that sort of relate to what you're what you're saying now well i had a completely different um probably take our stance at the time uh because we were playing you know that was our deep run we you know we went to the elite eight and um and that was all going on around us uh there was there were uh you know obviously with social media and it's changed our world as well and uh and so what i tried to do with with my players at the time because i just wanted them to focus on where we were in the moment and what we had the opportunity to do in front of us and that was continued to advance and so um I, I I did very little. The only thing that I said to our guys is we, you know, we, we can't control anything that's going on right now with that. But we can we can completely control what we we're, we're going to focus on. And we're going to focus on advancing here and get to lead eight, get to our first final four. Um, but after the fact, uh, certainly that was, um, you know, a conversation that was out there. Um, and, and again, I think it did a lot of good. Uh, we, we did see changes in uh, the Final Four last year because of that conversation, because of that uh, Oregon player that tweeted out what was completely, you know, uh, inequality for, you know, what the men had and for the what, what we had uh, as women. And, and if you think about it, uh, you know, now that the subtle changes that have made, you know, for the longest time, the guys have always had 68 teams in there in the NCAA. So now this year, the women, you know, we finally have the 68 teams. But but the head scratcher for me, and I don't know how many of your listeners or you guys know this, is for the longest time, the March Madness tag or the marketing March Madness was exclusively for men. Yep. It did not include women. And um, because of what happened in a year ago or two years ago in San Antonio, you know, everything from our our field has expanded. But the March Madness that we use for marketing uh, is is now women are included in that, Mm -hmm. Um, which is which is unbelievable that for the longest time it was just for men's basketball. And um, and so I think that's where the other the other thing that we're seeing is. Uh, there's been more market, more money uh, put into marketing now for our tournament, um, and so that whole thing that happened was a real positive thing for us. Um, but we have to continue to to keep the conversation going. Uh, Amy, I would love to hear your take on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, let me say Terry's answer to the first part of that and the second part of that question is why. I think, and I know my former teammates think that we have the best basketball coach in the country. And part of that is because Terry, she's doing it the right way. I mean, I, you know, maybe I'm old school, but I, I think that we're first and foremost, um, we are, we say we're student athletes, right? Uh, that we're students as well. And the fact that Terry is balancing how to, get these kids to tell them history, get them to be grateful and understand yet, but then you have a responsibility to push us forward. And, you know, IU has done an amazing job. We have people like Coach Morin, a woman in that role. People like Lori McRobbie, right, who've made herself available to our student athletes. And I hear from these athletes who say, oh my gosh, you know, Lori McRobbie came in or, you know, she's willing to talk to me about this. I mean, that or Cindy Simon Scott, right, who comes in and talks to our team, these women, right, women, and and Coach Jack, who was there before, started this phenomenal women pro- program. And, you know, it was about having these women mentors. And I I hear student athletes that are grown women today talk about Leanne Grotke and the impact she had on them. Now, 
IU has not always had a straight line to that place where we started and where we are now. Um, you know, and the, and the whole, I have to tell you, I'm on a group text with 11 of my teammates. And when the whole thing came out about the weight room, our phones were blowing up. I mean, my teammates were beside themselves, right? One of them works for a company that does equipment and she was on the phone with the NCAA going, we'll give them this stuff for free, right? Um, Kim Land. So, but I think it's so hard because again, I am so grateful for how far we have come. And I, I believe when we live in a place of being grateful, but knowing our history and where we come from is important that we we don't slide back. Terry mentioned what I thought was so important about ADs because you know who hires coaches? Athletic directors. And pe they typically hire people they know. When Leanne was start starting, and she can speak to that, you know, well over 90% of, of coaches of women's sports were women. That is less than 42% today. So where we move forward in some areas, you know, we've moved back a little bit. And I, I don't know, I, I, a few years ago, we inducted a woman um, from the 1920s in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame named Edna Hoddle. And of course, we didn't know anything about her. So we finally found her family who told us, you know, in the 1920s, things were booming here and across the country. You know, the women just got the right to vote, you know, Babe Diedrichen Zaharias was, you know, playing pro golf and winning in the Olympics. This woman, Edna Hoddle, was, you know, moved from Southern Indiana farm and came to um, Indianapolis, where she was making five dollars a day, you know, five dollars a game playing basketball. And then all of a sudden, World War II comes, and we have Rosie the Riveter and the the women's, you know, baseball league, and women are just on a roll, right? And then what happens? men come back from the war and they're like, the women need to go back in the kitchen. And much, much like Valerie said, who called in, you know, there's nothing wrong with the kitchen if that's where you wanna be, but women wanted to go to college, right? Yeah. They wanted to play sports. And there was even, you know, and as a physician, this just blows my mind, you know, there was medical information out there that was not scientific at all, that basically yeah. said women's uteruses were gonna fall out if they ran too hard or ran too, you know, and that was a way of keeping women out of this, that we would become infertile because our main role in life was to, you know, uh, be a mom and have babies. Again, there's nothing wrong with that if that's your choice. Yeah. So yeah. I do think there's this balance between being grateful for where we've come, but also recognizing if we're not careful, you know, we slid back in the 40s and 50s until Leanne the Grotkeys came around in the 1960s and 70s. Yeah, yeah. And, and Leanne, Leanne, you may be uh, wanting to get in here too. I, I think I think this is certainly the environment that you you started working so hard for. You were playing in, and and certainly you were you were um, leading the work to uh, try to start leveling the playing field, literally. Uh, for women, uh, and and I'm thinking about this this point that that both Coach Morin and, and Amy have made about um, leadership, um, and and where we are where we are with coaching and with uh, the AD positions. And I know that was a big part of what you were looking at back back when you were um, working on laying the foundations. Can you say a little more about just you thinking about leadership pipelines and what it was going to take to get more women into coaching and into uh, leading the athletic departments? I think the thing that we needed back then in order to produce women coaches were the opportunities for them to compete because they needed the experience of the competition to be able to carry it on into coaching. And there was a time, especially when we started to support women's athletics and there were salaries for women, that was when I have to say, men became interested in coaching women's teams. Mm -hmm. They weren't necessarily uh, interested before that because there wasn't any prestige and there wasn't much money. Uh, we tried very hard to hire women coaches where possible, uh, but there was that gap there between uh, getting teams started and finding people that were qualified to coach. and. 
you know, initially our coaches didn't have a lot of coaching experience. When we started our eight-team program in Indiana, uh, Dr. Aldridge and I just went up and down the halls in the physical education department and recruited the faculty that taught the sport to coach the team. Uh, that was the case in tennis, uh, golf, well, all the sports, actually. So it, it took a while uh, to produce women coaches, and by that time, uh, a lot of men had gotten into the programs. Uh, and so we, we do see more men now than women in many of the leadership capacities. At the same time, athletics or universities started developing programs to train women athletics uh, directors and executives. Uh, I didn't have any experience. I was just a physical education person. I didn't mm -hmm. have any training in administration. So we all kind of evolved into it. But at the same time, the university was providing uh, degree programs in leadership, which I think helped. I want yeah. to get your thoughts also. When, when you hear somebody like Amy Matheny talk about how she's you know, standing on your shoulders, I mean, how does that make you feel? Well, rather humbled because uh, when, when we were doing this, when I was uh, working with the program, it was just what you did from day to day. Uh, you didn't feel like you were accomplishing anything spectacular or uh, it was just what you did, and you did it to the best of your ability. Uh, but the thrill now, and even the thrill along the way, was seeing women having these opportunities. When I went, when I went through high school, we didn't even have women's teams. Uh, in college, we didn't have. We had a field hockey team, a tennis team, and a golf team, but we didn't have the team sport teams. And so I didn't have those opportunities to compete. And I would have loved to have been able to do that. Uh, so just being able to provide these opportunities was the reward in doing what we were doing. And this, and knowing uh, that our athletes were appreciative. I understand what Carrie's saying about athletes today. They don't know any different. Uh, and that's, uh, that's okay. Uh, it's good that she's teaching them and letting them know, but the people, the the athletes that we were working with at the time, like Amy, as uh, she said, she was very appreciative of the opportunity to compete. Anne, did you have a comment that you wanted to make? I did. I am just so humbled to be in this space with everybody on this call. I just have to say that first and foremost, listening to Leanne and Coach and Amy and their experiences. You know, I am in my 15th season in college athletics and 18th year in higher education. I've worked under four different athletic directors at two different institutions. And I do think I'd love to say, I think we'd be remiss to not highlight the culture that we have at IU that has been discussed already through, you know, Leanne's comments about this is just what we did. We came to work and we championed our women and we worked to be a pioneer and to get out in front of new legislation and coach and Amy and of course, Lori McRobbie and her efforts when she was here at IU helping to elevate women in philanthropy. It is a part of the culture and the backbone that is IU. And I have been able to stand on the shoulders of all of you to help continuing the efforts of Scott Dolson and some of our male leaders across campus that wanna continue that culture that is here at IU and wanna just continue to elevate our women. And this was a longstanding vision of Scott's he has been in the fundraising space within IU Athletics and a leader um, as a deputy athletic director under Fred Glass for a number of years. But it was during his interview in February of 2020 where he highlighted this vision and the idea of women's excellence and in this initiative was born. By the time he was named athletic director and took over that leadership position, COVID-19 had changed the world. 
but he still wanted to move forward with this initiative and with elevating our women and our program despite numerous financial challenges, despite an ever-changing landscape within college athletics. And I think that speaks volumes to the culture that we have here at IU and how much we value the success of all of our students, but also in recognizing that we are still trying to move the needle for our women and for propelling them, our athletes and our students alike, into their next phase of life after IU. Yeah, and really quick question. I, I'm mostly curious, and I don't know if you know this, but of the women who have engaged through the Women's Excellence Initiative, do you know how many of them played college sports in oh any form? Uh, so we have a huge effort to connect with a lot of with all of our former athletes. Um, and off the top of my head, I don't know the answer to how many, based on our new donors, how many of them, what percentage are former athletes. Our former athletes. Yeah. Yeah, well, but yeah. We, but yeah, we are tapping into that market. You know, there's a lot of audiences for our initiative. Of course, former athletes are a huge piece. Um, we do have season ticket holders to our women's programs. We have parents and we also have, you know, people that believe in the power of sport and the transformational, right. um, you know, leadership skills that it creates and helps grow. And so all of those different audiences, um, we are trying to talk with and create this community for the initiative. Um, and through that space, we're getting to tell some of the stories of our former athletes, but also just of people who, you know, appreciate the impact that IU has had on women over the course of the 50 right, years. Right, right. Yeah, it can, be, it can be significant that people who perhaps didn't get the chance to play sports are, are yeah. seeing this as a way to express their support for, for women as athletes, too. Yeah, absolutely. And we haven't had the bandwidth to intentionally spend time with a lot of these audiences. And so Scott's vision and his leadership and, you know, making room within the department for this to take place is a very grassroots effort. And again, getting to connect with people on a very intentional level before people want to support financially, we want to be able to tell those stories and make people feel a part of our Indiana family. That's always going to be first and foremost our priority because that's what creates a really special community for our student athletes. We only have five minutes to go. It's been a great yeah. conversation, and I want to spend the last five minutes talking about what comes next. And and Coach Terry Morin, uh, I guess I'll start with you again, and then we'll go to Amy and, and Ann and let Leanne um, sort of end us up, unless Lori has a final comment. Uh, and just talk about, you know, what where, where do gains still need to be made, and what would you like to see happen next? Well, again, you know, and I want to make this – clear this is not a a female versus male uh, deal for me it it is uh you know just doing right by our by our players and um you know we have to keep the conversation um moving and just not in women's basketball just not in sports uh, you know we could go down and talk about the lack of leaders leadership in businesses, Fortune 500 companies, athletic directors, and so forth. It's it's just we have to stay on the forefront. We have to keep, uh, you know, pushing pushing the needle uh, or pushing the envelope. The needle has to keep swinging back and forth. We we can't be silent, you know, as as female uh, females that are in leadership positions. Uh, and I think there's more exciting changes that are going to come down, um, you know, the, the, the line here for, for women. It's going to continue because we've, we're finally talking about it. We're finally not staying silent. There's a lot of uh, strong women out there, uh, whether they're using their social media platforms, whether they're, you know, on, on TV that continue to, uh, you know, with the WNBA now or professional league. Um, you know, there's, 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 you know, obviously, uh, you know, ownerships uh, that, you know, it, with some of these WNBA teams and that are, that are women that are presidents, right, and have a strong voice out there. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's an exciting time. Do we still have a ways to go? You better believe it. Uh, for me, I can't wait uh, for the time that we see our first ever uh, female that's coaching uh, men's basketball. 
Amen. You know, that, that would be an opportunity, you know, uh, and I think uh, Leanne said it, you know, where now, you know, the money is what it is. And so now we have our male counterparts. And again, it's not a female male thing for me, but these male counterparts now because of the money uh, that is in women's basketball. You know, we have uh, a lot of male coaches um, and um, you know, I'm waiting for the opportunity that, um, you know, a female is either going to be coaching a, co- a collegiate team or you know, like Becky Hammond, you know, we were hoping that she would be the first female that was going to be able to coach a professional team. That never happened. So now she's a head coach in the WNBA. And so, you know, uh, I, I think that we're going to see that at some point. It's going to happen. And, um, you know, it's going to be an exciting time, you know, I think for, for all of us that have spent most of our, our lives, um, you know, as an athlete and now obviously in the profession of coaching. Um, Amy and Ann, if you don't mind, I want to jump to Leanne and give her an opportunity to answer that question. Um, I'd like to see the future uh, continuing to provide opportunities for women and women pursuing those opportunities. We've got to think about being officials. Uh, I'd love to see those women football officials. Uh, I'd like to see women that are moving into uh, areas that have been predominantly male-oriented. But I think where we need to really keep the pressure is on our national organization. I think the NCAA, personally, I don't think it's kept up with the schools uh, and what they're providing and opportunities. Uh, we need to encourage women to become involved with that organization and have an influence and in, uh, continuing to promote, accelerate. Uh... All right. We are fast running out of time. Amy, 30 seconds. Sure. I just want to thank you, Bob, and the male allies that are out there because, you know, Leanne had um, Bill Orwig, her AD, which was supportive. We now have Scott Dolson. Um, you know, the reason I'm willing to give my time and volunteer at IU is because of Fred Glass and Scott Dolson and people like you know, Michael McRobbie, people that really advocated for women and I think were willing to keep us in the conversation. And we just need to keep doing what we're doing, um, hiring people like Terry Morin, and then continuing to look back and talk to people like Leanne Grockey. So we remember where we came from. All right. And I'm going to have to skip you, but I want to say support the Women's Excellence Initiative, please. (laughs) All right. Thank you to all of our guests, Coach Terry Morin from Indiana Basketball, as well as Amy Matheny, Ann Crawford, and Leanne Grockey, who is a pioneer in Title IX. For Lori McRobbie, I'm Bob Zaltzberg, and I also want to thank our producers, Benta Boutier, Kathy Knapp, and Nathan Moore, and engineer Mike Pashkash. Thanks for listening to Noon Edition. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, fiber internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. And from Bloomington Health Foundation, providing financial support to the community for 55 years, promoting healthier lives and the advancement of future health care in our region, working together for a healthier tomorrow. More at bloomhf.org. And from Estate and Downsizing Specialists, LLC, offering complete turnkey services for estate and downsizing clients, from initial consultation through home cleanout to final real estate and personal property sales. More at edsindiana.com.